This is Dr. Jose Saldivar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. Every week, every week on the podcast, I have amazing guests, wonderful people. Um, and, um, I, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to consider myself blessed just because I have an opportunity and have had the opportunity to meet a lot of these people along my own journey. And then they come on and they talk about their own journey. And today, today's guest is no different. Uh, I met this guest, I think, my second year in college. And, um, and so we became really good friends. She's doing amazing things. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to her and I'm going to let her introduce herself and talk about, you know, her journey. And so Lori, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners out there? Absolutely. Thanks, Jay. Hi, everyone. My name is Lori Palacios. I, um, I'm a Stanford graduate, like like Jay, Jay is as well. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. Um, graduated high school in 1997 and college in 2001. Um, I attended, obviously, Stanford for four years. I got a dual undergraduate degree in public policy and Chicano studies. And um, upon graduation, I went and worked on Wall Street in a company called uh, UBS at the time. And for the past 20 years, which I just celebrated my 20th year reunion, uh, I guess as an investment banker, um, I've continued with that journey and that career. Um, but I've a long way been able to obviously connect and reconnect with Jay um, and his, his endeavors. And I currently live in Austin, Texas. I've relocated from... I guess, New York City to San Francisco, and then finally settled in Austin, Texas. Um, so I do have um, a husband and two kids, and we, you know, have a, a pretty busy schedule usually. Um, so that's what I also manage on the side. So with that, Jay, I don't, what else can I say? Well, that's it. You just said everything. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, so Lori, thank you so much for joining, joining us today. Um, the question, the question that I always ask my guests, um, is if, if you were to go back and if you were to say my educational journey started here, where would that point be for you? Well, that's a great question. Um, I've actually been thinking a lot about that recently because my daughter is 12 about to turn 13 and going into seventh grade and I believe that that's where I started to really um, decide about what I wanted in terms in terms of higher education and really starting that foundation in middle school and then continuing on to high school I don't know what triggered that in my mind that it needed to start at that start at that point um, other than the fact that someone that I, a family friend had asked me when I was in middle school well where where are you going to go to college and I had never been asked that question before and it was always assumed well you I'm from El Paso, so you you're, my parents went to to college and you know a lot of my family went to Utah but I was asked the question of like where outside of that space would you go and I kind of had a flipping answer and I said well Stanford <laughs> and I think because I had that made that statement I, I decided I needed to try to fulfill that that goal and so in seventh grade in eighth middle school essentially I really focused on the foundation of you know trying to work hard in my studies and also just I was very interested in extracurricular activities and music and in sports and other items so I really feel like that is where I 
my mind said, okay, this is going to be, let's say six years of hard work, four years of high school and two years of, of middle school to really direct my efforts. <laughs> so hopefully that answers your question. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, from, for me, what, what I want to know is you said your parents went to school, went to college. And so was there ever any pressure from them? Like you said, it, you know, middle school was the first time somebody asked you about where you wanted to go to school or thought about going to college. But I'd imagine, and maybe this is a big assumption on my part, that if mom and dad went to college, there was maybe an expectation that you were going to go to college. And did they ever say, oh, Lori, you're, you're going to go here or you should go here or anything like that? I don't remember having the having them say that, quite honestly. Um, I don't think there was that kind of pressure or not, not that it's pressure, but it, um, those kind of questions or discussions that were had in, in my household. Um, it was my, my mother went to school and got her nursing uh, um, nursing degree. But the story from that was she was from a very low income family and the oldest of many children. And someone came to her and told my grandfather, we have this free program for your daughter to go for two years to learn how to be a nurse. And my grandfather said, you're going to go do this. It wasn't a choice. My mother didn't say, Oh, I one day want to be a nurse and take care of babies. It was, it was a free education opportunity because of their position in life. So it wasn't, it wasn't something it would, that was, that was her, her path, which she, you know, retired with 30 plus years as a nurse and loved it. Fortunately, my father, um, had a slightly different story. His was also out of um, direction from an outside source and so in terms of he was drafted um, in Vietnam. So I, I feel like the drafting is not necessarily your choice, but he, because of that, he was able to come back um, and had the VA, VA bill um, to, or the GI bill, I'm sorry, the GI bill to go and have that help him get school paid for. Um, so that was his other, his path to getting an education because he had served and there was this program. Otherwise I'm not quite sure he would have, um, been able to complete his education as well because of costs associated. So they were, they were those outside influences that directed their college careers and, um, for they would they were always helpful that their kids would go to college but it wasn't a um constant dialogue in our household i think when i like i said in seventh grade when i started talking about it it became a dialogue in the household yeah i imagine mom and dad as soon as their daughter says i'm gonna go to stanford mom and dad are like hmm how are we going to pay? How are we going to afford to send our daughter to Stanford? That was the, that was, that was their first question. And I said, I'll help you figure it out. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, so, you know, you've identified Stanford, you know, and, and another question that I often ask my guests, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> I had no idea what I, wanted to be, but I knew what I did not want to be. So I used that information to eliminate or help or help hone into what I wanted to be. Um, I knew that I did not want to go into medicine. I just don't have the stomach for it. And with my mother being a nurse, she 
kind of exposed us to a lot of the behind the scenes details. And I, I just knew I could not poke someone in their arm with a needle or a knife. Um, so that was off the table. I didn't feel like I ever wanted to go into law, but I, I did, I didn't need, know that going into college, it would give me an opportunity. I knew I'd figure something out by the time I left college. Uh, I was very strong in math and sciences. And so I focused on a lot of that um, as where I was trying to find a career path in particular in the, in the math segment, but I felt like going into school and Jay maybe felt this way too. A lot of students did come in and they just knew I'm going to be a physician or I'm going to be, you know, a, a professor or a lawyer. Some of us, it took a little bit longer. And I don't think that that's bad in any way. I think that you just go, it's part of exploring and learning new things um, mm-hmm. to help determine what you want to do with your, with your career. Lori, let me ask you when you were in high school or even a freshman in college, did you know what an investment banker did? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, <do> not. <laughs> I didn't learn what an investment banker was until I actually landed on Wall Street. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> I love that. And and I had a sneaky feeling that was that was going to be your answer. Um, I think like you, I... Well, I don't know that I ever told you this. When I went to Stanford, I think my first year, I thought I was going to major in business only because, and I always tell my students this, I, I, wanted, a, I wanted to be a CEO and I wanted to look down on the people working for me, <laughs> which is totally out of character for me. Like, yeah, I don't no, even know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> right. But um, quickly the first year I realized, okay, I don't, I don't want to do business. I'm a total humanities guy and learned what humanities was in college because I had no idea what that meant. Um, and so like you, I think it was it was a matter of, OK, I'd, no, I don't want to do this. But now there are all of these other options and I can I can do some exploring so that that I know helped me a lot. What helped you? What helped you figure out and narrow your path while you're going through college? Um, well, quite a a couple of things on that aspect. I haven't thought of this in a while, but I do know that, like I said, I was, I was strong in, in math. I didn't want to necessarily just go like in the computer science vein, which was where a lot of folks in math went to. I felt like that was not my personality either. Like you're saying, um, if you know kind of where your, your personality is, um, I did think that I had an interest in politics and economics. And so that's why I did choose the path of public policy, because it did have some aspects of, you know, global, you know, local decision making and how it affects, you know, individuals in certain areas, and then just how that policy trickles through, but also then the financial aspect of um, being really fiscally responsible and how that could help the community, you know, move forward. And so I, I focused on that degree, not knowing what at all the job opportunity or job market would be. But I think the other the other thing that influenced my career via my degree was I was, it was actually a chance. It was complete chance. Every time I think about this, there was, 
don't know if you remember these, Jay, at Stanford, they would have in the Oval, occasionally they'd have job fairs and they'd have booths. And I remember I was riding home from class one day and some girl said, hey, you, like in the movies, don't they, you know, they used to yell like, hey, you, come over here. And I walked over, she's like, do you want to work and get paid to do that? And I said, I'm looking for an internship. And my father says, I have to have it paid for because he is not going to pay for me to go anywhere. <laughs> and so I said, that sounds like a great idea. What can I do? And quite, and so that is how I was, I essentially was looking for paid summer internship opportunities throughout my college degree or college tenure. And that's what, um, you know, you're going to hear a lot about this probably from the other people you interview of like how you spend those summers is really important during college to help get you set up for perhaps, you know, jobs. So one summer I found a paid internship opportunity to work in Washington, D.C. And that I felt like was sort of the political side of my degree. I worked um, with my congressman uh, for the summer in Capitol Hill and just, you know, really kind of got an exposure that I would have otherwise not had um, remotely. And then the second summer I said, okay, well, I need to try the economic side of my degree. And that's when I got the opportunity to work in New York for an internship. And so that, those two experiences really guided what I ultimately um, chose to do. And then I think lastly, I knew I was graduating with um, a lot of college loans at the end of the day. And I wanted to not have that financial burden. So I, I, I also focused on a, a, a job offer that would help me pay those off rather mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. So those, those factors. And plus I really enjoyed what I had experienced in my internship when I was um, working in wall street and I thought it was invigorating and I'm still here 20 years later. <laughs> that That's awesome. I, I think, I think, you know, for a lot of young people who are trying to find their way and trying to find the job, you know, to find that job that 20 years into it, you can still say it's invigorating. It still excites you. It still energizes you. I think is, I feel like is a rare thing. Um, I and so I, I appreciate you, you sharing that and, and reminding us that that's still possible. It's still possible to find that kind of work, you know, if, if you're, if you're careful and you pay attention, but also if you take advantage of it, it sounds like opportunities like you did. And I, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you talked about internships. Cause if I remember correctly, um, cause we were dorm mates, we, we lived in the same house, right? Junior. So I, I imagine the Washington internship was the summer going into your junior year. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Right. Correct. And then the new, the, the wall street internship was the summer going into senior year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I always talk to students and um, this is in, in my, my role as a, as a university faculty member. And I, I work with first year students. So I'll go into orientations and I'll have an auditorium full of parents and students. And Usually my talk is about university resources and taking advantage of them. And I always tell them, I said, look around you. I said, imagine all of you are graduating with a degree in business. And I said, a number of you, maybe most of you think I'm going to graduate and my job's going to be waiting for me. And I said, but if all of you are graduating with the same degree, even the same type of degree in the same field, and all of you are vying for the same jobs, 
why should I hire you? And I'll point at a student. Why should I hire you over this person? And so I stress the importance of what are you doing to set yourself apart? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, today, everybody's graduating. Everybody's going to have a degree. And it is about the kinds of experiences you bring, the skills that you bring to the job, your networks, and all of these things that nobody ever talks to us about. And at least, like, I don't know about you, Lori, but like for me, I didn't know anything about that. I think we had the benefit of at Stanford, you kind of saw it. Like the people around you were like hustling and I need to get this internship and I need to talk to this person. And it just felt like it was so ingrained in the culture. So we learned it. Right. But for a lot of the students, like a lot of the students that I work with, if they're, you know, first gen, low income, Latino students, nobody tells them that. Nobody's telling them that they need to do those things. And so I appreciate you sharing that story because I think, I think we need to share that, right? We need to share that kind of information. So that's thank a great you. Example you. That's a great example you use in, in the auditorium. It's true. You need to have a resume at the end of the day and how what's on that help, helps you get the job ultimately. Let me ask you, Laurie, if you're, because I, I don't know if you do the hiring for your company, you're kind of up there. You're, you've, you've got that, you've got that office job where you're looking down at people. So, but let me ask you, let me ask you. <laughs> Not in the corner office yet. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I have an input. <laughs> so what do you look for? What do you look for in candidates? Um, that's definitely a great, great um, question. And it's becoming, I've been actually heavily, more heavily involved in the last year or two in this aspect. The, the resume always needs to be polished. Don't, um, I, I, this is basic, but, and it sounds kind of luxury, but spelling i i'm a big proponent of one page resumes clean easy to read um have have go go and get help in your counseling center i'm sure at, at your university jay that there is a place you can go and get assistance with resume development um or any or usually any university um or college that is a highly important presentation a skill set on this piece of paper. I know we've seen Legally Blonde and she colors in a pink and it's all this, we don't need that fluff, but you need to have it spelled out right. You need to have the font usage um, make sense. It's not too busy, but it has very important lead, lead uh, phrases or action, action words of what you did. And you can't just say filed paper, you know, no. I managed the filing system for XYZ for three months and fixed it all up. And you, you need to make it really as detailed in that concise, you know, kind of in that concise space you have, but um, spell it out. I, I do like when, um, you know, there, it, there are a few gaps in the timeline. We all understand, especially for, for students coming out of college that, you know, they're, you know, you're not you're not typically working in the school year unless you have an ongoing job, which some students did. I know I did. I believe you did as well. And you have that work study. But there's it's really in the in the three months or the two months that you're in the summer, you need to have something for each year. And it might not have to be the most spectacular item, but really it shows that you 
you know, you're, you were busy and you're kind of forward thinking and what you wanted to do. And, and sometimes it doesn't have to be in that uh, vein of the business, let's say that you want to do. Mm-hmm. It, it could be, I, I led a whole summer camp, you know, three months and I, I manage X, Y, and Z, even though you're going into business, that's sh- a lot of it is extra. There's a spot you can put at the bottom for extracurricular activities, well-roundedness. A lot of people want to see if you're going to join our organization, are, are you, what else do you do, do with your free time? Because we want, sometimes it's an athlete or someone who has these interesting extracurricular activities just to give us a little bit better picture of yourself. So if you've taken a, a lot of Excel or, you know, Google Doc, Google Docs or other type of software, make, you, put, you can put that on there. But if you've only done one thing once and, and you kind of know how to turn on the program, but you don't, don't list it on there. Cause then when we ask you, okay, <laughs> you said you're proficient in, in this and you're not, that's, that's not cool. But I think that I would, I'm on the one pager. I know some people are opposite of my opinion on that, but uh, make sure you have an objective listed on the top, a clear statement of the objective, and then make sure you also revise it. Because if you're going to be sending things to a variety of companies, make sure you always change. Like if you need to a slightly edit that object, objective for that company, just, you know, keep on top of that. So hopefully that helps. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was really good. Um yeah, I think that that was great advice. That was great advice. So thank you. Um, so you, you know, you're. I think you're one of the one of the few that I've interviewed um, who's found that work and has. Well, I, I think you, you're a lot like me, right? This so this next year, I'm entering my twentieth year at the university, um, and so. And I enjoy it. I enjoy teaching, even if, you know, I've, you know, thought about leaving the university, but, but I love teaching. And, and so I, I think I'll, I'll always want to do that. That has to be a part of whatever it is that I pursue if moving forward. But, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I still think about like, what's next? Like, what else could I do? Do you ever entertain thoughts like that? All the time, <laughs> but I think of it as, and I, first of all, congratulations. I know you have always, you knew once you graduated, what your path, you were like, I'm getting my PhD and you fulfilled that. And you knew you're going back to Texas and you knew path was to encourage students to pursue their higher education. And you've achieved that. So congrats, congratulations um, on that. But in terms of looking your question about am I always thinking about what to do next I feel that right as I get older and as my kids get older I am thinking about that a little bit more I think it has to do with when when the kids are when my kids like I said they're 12 and 9 and there has been it's a known factor of what my day-to-day will be like in this particular job. It does involve traveling when we're not in COVID. Um, 
and it involves of um, you know a lot of sometimes late work hours, whatnot. But I think be, for raising a family, it has suited us well. And but as they get older, there might be more flexibility or to look at a different job at some point because they are becoming more self-sufficient and also at some point they will be going off to college they will be going to college so that is what I think about I think about okay should I and I'm one of those people who just has to work I'm so I believe you are the same so it's going to be something where I look at I have 20 let's say at least 20 more years working. I've done the first half of my professional career. What is the second half going to be till I'm 62 plus? Mm -hmm. And when I look at that, I I want to get into a position where one, the household is functioning. Okay. And then two financially also, and and then also look at like, what, what other contributions can I make um, more largely? And I think a lot of times I keep coming back to actually teaching in a sense, in a sense, but I don't know what that would look like. And, it, and so that's, those are in the mind, in my mindset. Now, I don't think I had time to even think about them when my kids were younger, but, um, and like I said, I think like, or actually you said 20 years in the same career is, is very rare these days. I mean, our parents probably had that mm-hmm. and our aunts and uncles, but for this generation, for our generation in the generation to come, I don't think it's going to be commonplace. So that um, making that change is something that I think I'll be able to do, but <laughs> I haven't gotten to what it looks like quite yet. Yeah. I'm sorry to put any pressure on you. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I, I, it's in the mind. It, and I think that's, it's also people approach you. I'm sure you get approached. Um, I get approached with other career opportunities and I'm always like, hmm, that actually sounds interesting. Uh, but I'm just not quite ready, you know, to do certain things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think there's something to be said, like if, if um, employers, right, they, if they're looking for stability and they find people that are doing good work and they've been doing it for a while, they're like, oh, that, that person obviously knows what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. They're probably really good at it or they're good at it. And, and suddenly you're a, you're a viable candidate, right? People. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Laurie for this is, here's a topic that I, I don't think I've ever covered with some of my guests, but okay. you talked about your family and you talked about the stability and, and the routine of your work because I, you know, I, I, um, I'll come across students, um, you know, especially my female students that wonder and worry about how do I, how do I start a family and manage a family and find success in my career? And it sounds like you've been able to do that. How did you do that? That is a great question because um, it's obviously a hot topic in this day and age. And it's taken, you know, a lot, like you said, to get to this position in my, in my career, um, and family life. I remember when we were at Stanford, there was this, I don't know if it was a rumor or if it was actually true that the Stanford business school was accepting Latina women earlier in their age than they would normally accept 
the general population into the business school. And that's because they were cognizant or recognizing the, that there were um, Latina women who that having a family was apparently this is the view. I don't know if it's true or not, but the higher priority, they wanted to get a degree done faster so they could start their family. So that that was 20 years ago. That was plus that 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 is what I heard. I um, knew I always wanted to have kids. And then my husband and I, we had kids. Um, I was 30. He was 40. So I could tell you that was already late in my family's opinion, but early in my professional peer group opinion. (laughs) So it's, it was a push and a pull, right? Because I was definitely, you know, my, my family, my aunts, of course, would have loved, and my mom would have a a grandbaby five years sooner. I was telling them I was working on my career. (laughs) And then in the office, every, you know, that's kind of a, a, in this particular business that I am, a lot of women, um, have babies later in life. So I had my first child at 30. And I remember that was where I finally was at a place where I was comfortable. Also not, not the junior grunt person in the organization, but kind of making my way up where I had a little bit more say of my day-to-day life. And I think that was something that has been really, as I've moved up in my career, having control of my day-to-day is um, so has been so much more helpful with have, raising a family. Now, of course, my husband also he is t- takes on a huge role in this. You know, he's very hands on. He um, it, and I think that partnership is really what has helped my career succeed because we we've been supporting each other. But in terms of the the work that I was I am in in the industry, it's coming a long way. I think that there are still some sort, some barriers uh, to having that quality work-life balance. And as you can see, this pandemic in particular, in particular has really, um, there's been several instances where it's really fallen a lot of the burden on the women mm-hmm. in, in time, in terms of child rearing and education, and also try, trying to keep their, their, their day-to-day um, obligations and their job fulfilled. So I would just say that how I succeeded is the partner that I have. He base he has been able to help when I've been work when I've been traveling. Quite honestly, when they call and say you're going here, have that backup. And if it's not him, it's my parents. If it's not them, it's the you know the daycare. Um, but that all kind of falls into each other. But it's doable. Like it's yeah. it's it's and I think it's important to try to figure out a way to do it because our our girls. Our daughters need to see these kind of examples. They need to see the women in these organizations, or or being a professor, or being a you know, uh, in in a in a corporate environment. They need to see that it can be done. Um, companies are making huge changes in the organizations in the last few years to really have either flexible um, maternity leave, paternity leave, and also just recognizing that there needs to be some better dialogue on the day-to-day just to make sure that we can sustain these employees. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that I've been a voice in that. I have been able to direct some of those conversations. So I think it takes, as we women rise to those spots in our in our career to make sure that we're rewriting the, the language in our firm's policies 
to help make it it's easier for women to succeed in this, in these type of businesses. I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try and paraphrase a little bit. Um, no worries. But I, but I, no, I, I think, um, you know, I, I appreciate everything that you said. It sounded like though, and I, I and I'm, I don't want to generalize, right. Because I think we see this in a lot of communities. Um, especially I think, like with a lot of our first gen students and a lot of students that, that, that grow up in maybe low income households um, where there is this tremendous sense of, uh, of duty, responsibility, like I've got to carry the burden, I've got to shoulder the burden. I, I see that with a lot of my students where they feel like, like mom and dad have gotten me this far. I'm in college now. I can already start giving back. And I always have to remind my students, you'll be in a better position when you graduate graduate from college, get that career, get that, that salary with some benefits, with, with insurance, and then you're in a much better position to help mom and dad than you are as a freshman student, first-year student working at McDonald's or something and giving you know your paycheck over. Um, but I think like just listening to you, it sounds like you didn't have to do it alone. You had this wonderful partner, right, who is able to help you with that burden, but then you said having the extended family or having mom and dad, right? Utilizing your resources, utilizing, you know, your daycare. And so I think reminding us for all of our listeners, male, female, and everyone, we don't have to do this alone, right? Our, our journey isn't something that we take on alone. When we, we take on these journeys, we do it with a lot of support behind us. And I feel like we have that conversation a lot, but then when, when it gets to, um, supporting a family, supporting the dreams of our of our partners, and our you know that that somehow the conversation changes, and that has to be independent, or that we have to do that alone. But but no, I think I think you you're right on point. Right, we don't do that alone. It is our partners that help us and support us, and having you know our families behind us that that have always been behind us. I think is a, is a good reminder that that even that part of our lives we don't have to do that alone. So thanks. Absolutely. Let me touch on something that that you um, said on the beginning of that um, statement is that I remember going to college. First of all, I was going way too far, according to my grandma. And I'm sure everybody, you know, and, and then it was graduation time in 2001. And then I, I said, OK, I'm moving to New York. The face on my grandmothers and the family of like, well, well, we thought you were always coming. You were just going for four years. Why aren't you coming back? And that, and I, that was hard. Like that was because it was unspoken. They're like, well, we let you go for four years. Now, why are you going even longer? And I don't know if you had that. Ex well, you came, you were able to come back, but those conversations are interesting of real. It's, it's, it's hard because you have to sometimes go against your family. Yeah. Um, and the traditions and the culture, you're like, I'm going to be back. I'll come visit. I'll come do this. I don't know. I'm just exploring my opportunities right now. And there um, doesn't mean I don't want to come back. I saw, you know, and so that those, I remember that those tug and, you know, back and forth conversations early on. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's another conversation that I've got to have, have with students who, who want to pursue, um, uh, graduate degrees and, and mm -hmm. them not because they don't know enough about the system and, 
and the, the different tiers, right, or values of different degrees, when they realize I've got to pursue in order to do this job A, I need to get a master's or I need to get a professional degree. And when they realize I might have to leave South Texas, they're like, oh, let me put the brakes on that. Let me change my goal. Um, and so because you brought that up, now I want to ask you, Lori, where do you get the courage to go away and not just to go away for college, but then to decide, you know what? I, I don't need to go back home. I can, I can continue being away. It doesn't make me a bad daughter. It doesn't make me mean that I care less about my family. Where did you get the courage to do that? All right. You broke up a little bit, but I heard, where did I get the courage to, to, to go just, away and, oh, and to go to, away. And then after college to continue staying, like be away. I don't even know how to answer that. I, how did other people answer that? They've interviewed from El Paso. Um, I just felt like I always had this outside view. I needed, I had, my, like I told you in my brain, I'm going to Stanford. California. I always wanted to go see what explore and what was further away and what was the next big thing, I guess you could call it. But I, I, sometimes I look back and how, I guess you how much moxie, I don't even know if that be able to survive in both Stanford, which um, is a very challenging institution to be, you know, be part of also living on your own figuring out your day-to-day schedule, taking your coursework, you know, managing children also, then finding a job and then going and going and working in one of the, you know, largest cities in the world. And of course, I remember why I was just like, I just was like, I'm going to do this. Like, how do I not go? And how do I of this opportunity. I remember when I was my goodbye party going after I graduated. Okay. Cause I wasn't thinking of it in a, as a scary thing to do. But everybody else around, once I got that, I realized they all think this is super scary for me to go. So in terms of courage, I just (laughs) drove that. But um, I just knew I was going to try and succeed and make it work. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Um, Lori, I know you are really busy. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to join me today on the podcast. What um, final piece of advice for listeners out there would you have? I would say, of course, first of all, thank you for having me. There's a couple of things. I think that as you are young and trying to figure out what to do, don't stress out so much on the front end of the finances. It, it'll come come due. As Jay said, also, like, you need to get that degree. And that degree is a piece of paper that once you have it, like, no one can ever take that away from you. And once you've achieved it, and it can open so many, so many more doors than you even think. And I think that, um, you know, really bear down and do try to, one, be, you know, as good as you can in all your classes and study really hard, but also take advantage of all the opportunities that you have 
like for an internship or just also networking at, at your organization at your university because you're going to meet be part of clubs um find the time because it's really that that t- critical point in your career where you have actually the energy because <laughs> you're <laughs> you're much younger um and do that i would say that those are it's it, it just take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way that you could fit in. And then also when you do, if you can, here's an, maybe something you haven't heard. I would suggest if there's a study abroad opportunity, I did not take advantage of that. Um, I don't, you didn't, nor did you Jay, but if there is something where you can somehow budget it, budget it in, it's the only time in your life that well you'll go and learn about other cultures but you're also willing to travel cheaply and live on a couch or you know be in a dorm room and then backpack or go on trains and really understand those countries um, that might be important to your studies I would say try to figure out if there's a way you can add that to your um, your plan and then lastly what I would say and this is the finance person in me as Jay mentioned, when you when you get out, you're going to obviously have higher opportunities for uh, the jobs that offer better benefits, retirement plans, and just obviously income. Really, really start when you're young and read the read about how to start saving for your future. It sounds like you probably, you might say, "Oh." I barely have money now to pay the rent that I'm paying. Now I need to start saving for your future. But the more you start when you're in your 20s, early 22, 23, right out of college, even if it's just a couple, a little bit each month or a little bit each year, it will really add up by the time, you know, you get to that retirement age. And I think that a lot of times we're also busy just paying the bills right when we get out of school, which is obviously first year, but maybe squeeze it a little bit and put some money um, more away or start to put money away for your retirement so that you're not um, 20 years later looking about, oh, I should have, you know, I should have put some some stuff away. Uh, and I think that that is where you start to read the fine print in terms of like, okay, I'm going to have job A and job B offer. This is the package this year. And this is the retirement package there. And it's, those are topics that we don't talk about in our households. We don't talk about savings and their, you know, their well-being. I would add for, for your students to start looking at those classes or reading those books or talking to people who could help you in those avenues. So with that, I would just say success to all your students. Lori, thank you. Um, yeah, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, um, had it not been for my my like my that I started so early and then the the institution right required me to have like a retirement account or a, uh, in my case I, I chose a four hundred one b right but there was money set aside every month <laughs> like I don't know that I would have done that and on my own I've I've done that on my own you know extra right but with a lot of the young people I always tell them. Right. When, you know, start early, if, if I could have done, I think I would have, I would have, I would have put a little more away at the beginning. Um, but I, I think I'm just, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place there. Um, so I, I appreciate that advice. I think that's great advice. So 
Lori, thank you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for, for being on the podcast. You've been a wonderful guest. Um, this concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast, and, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>